Morning, Reach Church. Morning. All right. Please join me in prayer. Father, we praise you because of Christ alone. We thank you that we can stand in your presence through Christ alone, that we can worship in Christ alone. Father, we thank you that this church is about nothing but Jesus, that every week we can remind ourselves that it was by Christ and Christ alone that we have been redeemed and that we have been restored and that you are sanctifying us. So Father, would you use this time that we may rejoice in Christ alone and that together we may uh, stand unified in Christ and may honor his name. We pray this in Christ's precious name. Amen. All right. So uh, today we're continuing on in our series in Romans. And just a reminder, this, uh, the title, what's the title of this sermon series? Uh, the title is Unshackled. The Grace of God in the Book of Romans. And today we're talking about uh, the unshackling a little more specifically. So, when most people think of the Christian life, they think of rules. And you can't blame them. There are a lot of rules in Christianity. If you think of non-Christians, non-Christians, they, they see what they're called to in the Christian life, and they're essentially seeing it as, okay, I can, I can give up all the things that I want, all the things that I desire, and I can choose to, to be shackled to all of these rules and all of these laws. That is how, how the non-Christian often views Christianity. And some of you might even feel the, the burden of obedience, the call to, to obey, to fulfill the laws of God. And that consumes a lot of your Christian life, a lot of your, your thought about where you stand before God. It's in relation to how you're doing and keeping all of these rules. So today we're talking about those rules. We're talking about obedience. We're talking about the role that the law has and how we can be obedient. All right. So we are going to be looking at Romans 2, verses 6 through 29, and seeing how we can get, get unshackled from the burden of the law and the burden of obedience. And we're going to see that in, in three things. We're going to see first the requirement of the law. The requirement of law. Second, we're going, to see, we're going to see two methods for fulfilling the law. The outside-in method and the inside-out method. Two, two ways that we can try to be obedient. And then third, we're going to see how we can find this kind of, kind of restored obedience through Christ. All right? The, fulfillment of the, the requirements of the law, two methods, and then how we can do it. So... Let's look at Romans 2, verses 6 through 29. You're already there. I'm not even there yet. I'm behind. All right. Read with me. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking... And do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. There will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. 
the Jew first, and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. For all have sinned without the law will perish without the law. All who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law by nature, do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve of what is excellent because you are instructed by the law, and if you are sure that you are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say, uh, you who say the one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision is, indeed, is of, indeed of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. All right. So first point, the requirements of the law. Now look at verses 6 through 11. He will render to each one according to his works, to those by patience and well-doing, who seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there'll be wrath and fury. There'll be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. All right. This passage is, is pretty clear. Um, we can try to do gymnastics with it, but it's, it's pretty clear. We will be judged based upon what we do. That if, if we are good, we will be judged as righteous and inherit eternal life. If we are bad, if we are self-seeking, if we do what's evil, we will inherit wrath and fury. And it doesn't matter if you're Jewish. It doesn't matter if you're kind of of the religious class. It doesn't matter if you're a Greek of the, the irreligious unbeliever class. You're all judged by the same law, by the same rules. You're judged by, by this standard. There's no partiality. There's, there's no special treatment. This is, this is the test. Now, for some of you, uh, that's what you've always thought. And so, yeah, this is, duh, this is how it works. Of course, I've always done the test. Good people go to heaven, bad people don't. 
That's why some of you uh, are terrified of God and live under constant fear and anxiety and, and pressure to be good. That's also why, why others of you maybe don't actually like Christianity. You find it oppressive, you find it exhausting, and you're, you're kind of sick of it. But it's your only option, so you're doing it anyway. All right, you know, like, it's only one way to get it. Like, this is what I got to do, I'll do it. Um, both of these groups are feeling the, the shackles of the law. And you feel the burden of needing to be obedient. The question today is, how do we get out from these shackles? Now, there's some of you who, uh, who've been Christians for a long time. Uh, a lot of you are in that category. And you're saying, well, uh, we, are, we already, the, the gig is up. We know how you're going to interpret this passage. It's going to be the righteousness of Christ. It's going to be what Jesus did. And so it'll be fine. Uh, I have faith in Christ. His works are my works. Therefore, he has been perfect on my behalf. I'm not going to say that this morning. That's true. That is true. And, and we are judged according to our faith in Christ and what he has done. But faith in Christ doesn't come alone. That when we put our faith in Christ, we are also, also transformed by that faith. We are changed. And we are changed to the extent that we become so renewed that we actually, we are judged by our works. You are judged by what you do. That either your faith in Christ has transformed you and turned you into someone who fulfills the law, or that faith is dead faith that has not transformed you, and you cannot fulfill the law, and you will not make it through the final judgment. I think one, one of the ways we, we try to get out from the shackles of the law is say that we don't have to do it anymore. That's a false, that's a false premise. That's a false way of getting out from the shackles. That really you're just ignoring the scriptures. And scriptures are very clear. We can do gymnastics and gymnastics with them. But we will be judged according to our works. So, what does that mean for us? Um, we have to ask ourselves. If I look at, at the works that I do, if I look at my actions, do I show a love for God? Do I show obedience? Do I look like this person who is who's patient in well-doing, seeking after glory and honor? Do your works show that, that you have been changed by Christ? Now, for some of you, that's, that's actually a, a comforting question. Maybe not that many of you. <laughs> for some of you, maybe that's a comforting question. Like, oh, like I, can look, I can look at my good works and like legitimately say, okay, I, I feel okay. Like, I... I do see growth. I do see change. I do see the reflection of Christ in me. That's a legitimate category. You're not necessarily prideful in that. Maybe there's some of you, some of us who see that and we see, oh, like, I've, I've seen some change, but maybe not a lot. It's been slow. There's some areas that are stagnant and have never changed. And so I'm, I'm kind of not really sure. There's others of you who hear that and you're sweating. And you realize, if I look at my works, I'm terrified. 
And if I'm judged based upon my works, and if my works are supposed to show something deeper inside of me, it's not there. All right. Are you feeling the shackles of the law right now? Do you feel the burden of it? This passage, it makes it, it's very clear. The shackles are there. And we can't just throw them off and say, oh, no, God, God doesn't expect anything from me. All right. All right, next. Second point. Second point. Paul lays out some strategies for us. Some strategies for how we can obey the law, how we can fulfill this law, because we're going to be judged. So how are we going to fulfill it? I think the first thing we, we assume needs to happen is we need to figure out this relationship with the law. You figure out our relationship to the law. And we naturally assume, okay, maybe I, maybe I need to look more deeply into the rules. I need to kind of reinvigorate myself so I can try harder, uh, figure out what I'm doing wrong, figure out why, get, th get things hammered out a little bit. All right. We naturally go to the law. And Paul, Paul, he's refuting that. He's saying, it's, it's not really about the law. Look what he says in, in verse 12. And he's saying this, God is not partial. God is not partial for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. All who have sinned under the law will also be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. It's not the hearers, but the doers. All right. We just said that God isn't partial. And to reinforce that fact, he says it's the Jews, the people, the religious people who come to church and know all the rules. He says they're not at an advantage. Because you can know all the rules, but it doesn't help you. It doesn't mean you're actually able to do them. And just because you know what you're supposed to do doesn't mean that therefore you're good before God. That God doesn't judge you based upon your knowledge of the law. And if you know all the rules, you know what is right and wrong. God judges you based upon the fact if you've done it or not. That's what matters. And to reinforce that fact, he starts with one of the ways that you can be obedient. One strategy, the inside-out strategy. The inside-out strategy. And he's reinforcing that you actually don't need to read all the laws. You don't need to do all the laws. You don't need to focus on the law to do this strategy. Inside-out. Look at verse 14. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature, they don't have the law, do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. All right, the Gentiles. Gentiles are defined by the fact they don't know the rules. They don't have a book telling them what the rules are. But there's this group of Gentiles, and they have the law within themselves. They are their own law, in a sense. And they obey the law without actually knowing what the law is. Verse 15. They show that the law, the work of the law is written on their hearts 
while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. All right, so these people who've never read the law, they're revealing things that are deep inside of them. And they are brimming with obedience. And obedience is flowing from the inside out because three things are true of them. First, first, the work of the law is written upon their hearts. All right, what does that mean? All right, let's start with what the heart is. Sorry, the heart. The heart. This is not talking about the organ. In the Bible, the heart is not this heart. The heart is the, the center of the person. It's the operating system. It's everything flows from the heart. Everything you choose to do comes from the heart. Your worship flows from your heart. And if, if the word, if the law is written on your heart, think of it like a code. So the code, the code of the law is written on these people's hearts. And so whenever the operating system of their heart starts, starts to jump into gear, it starts expressing and manifesting and fulfilling the law. Because that's what it's programmed to do. It's just doing what it's supposed to do. And it's naturally fulfilling the law and expressing the requirements of the law. So every time they start to speak, they start speaking according to the law. When they're making a decision, they're deciding according to the law that's already written there. And so it's not unnatural. It doesn't feel foreign to them. It's not awkward. It's not like this struggle within themselves. It's just flowing from their hearts, which have been redeemed by the Spirit. Okay. Next, their conscience bears witness. All right, so we all, we all know about the conscience. All right, so Jiminy Cricket is there. The conscience, he's, he's guiding you. He's telling them what's good and what's wrong. All right. In, in people, most people, Jiminy Cricket is evil. All right, he's not the good guy who's trying to change your heart. He's as, he's as corrupted as anyone. And so, like, he's whispering, like, let's, let's go... I don't know. I don't know what Jiminy Cricket would say. Uh, <laughs> like, let's lie and let's, let's deceive and let's, let's do evil. That sounds good. Come on. But these people's conscience is different. Their conscience is saying, no, no, don't do evil. Evil is evil. That is evil. Get away from that. Oh, that over there, that's good. And Jiminy Cricket is right for them and is guiding their actions and telling them, what is good and what is wrong. So they don't need the law. Their conscience is actually being the law for them and showing them the rules in the midst of life. And finally, their thoughts are good. Their conflicting thoughts are good. All right, so their thoughts are kind of acting as a moral compass. And so if they're doing something evil... Their own thoughts are saying, this is evil, this is bad, don't do this, this is killing you. It's accusing them and showing them their sin so that they can run from it. And in the same way, when they're doing good, but they're second-guessing it, or they're feeling guilty about something they shouldn't feel guilty about, those same thoughts excuse them 
and say, don't worry about it. You're good. This is actually a good thing. Don't be, don't be tempted. Don't be deceived. Don't feel guilty about this. You're good. You're fine. So these three elements are working in these Gentile people who don't have the law and from the inside out is shaping them and, and pushing and moving them towards obedience. That is inside out obedience. Flowing from within them, flowing from within the heart. All right. What does this mean for us? There's a way to be good naturally and very organically. And in a way where these Gentiles, are, they're just, they're being themselves in a sense. And there's this negative stigma that to be a Christian, to, to obey, means to constantly deny yourself or to be hypocritical or to be, to suppress all the things that are inside of you. That's not how it feels for these Gentiles. They're joyful and they're confident. Secondly, it means that you can have this kind of obedience without the law. They don't even know what it is. They don't know the rules, but they're obeying all the same. All right. And third, if this is how the Christian life can look, I think most of us are missing the boat. And this is not how we feel. And if this is open to us, we want on board. That we want obedience to flow from us and to be a lot easier and for it not to be so hard. But it doesn't feel like that. And I would say that this is the goal. This is the ideal. This is where we're, the possibility for our obedience. And there's an exciting prospect in that. Now, we're going to talk about how we get there. But before we do that, we're going to have to contrast that with the other way of obeying. The outside-in method. The outside-in method. This is what the, the Jews of the day, the religious people who possessed the law were trying to, trying to do. Verse 17. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law... All right, the, the religious people, they know. And they know what's good. And it's kind of brimming with like, oh, they know all this excellent stuff. If you're sure that you're a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment and knowledge of truth, they have all of this glory. They have all of this knowledge. And Paul says, verse 21, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Well, you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say to the one that must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? He essentially is saying, you, you have all the answers. You have all the rules. The problem is, you don't actually follow them. That they're outside of you. They're out here in the distance, and they're not actually translating to real life. He's saying, verse 23, you who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. But yeah, they have the law. 
but it's not written on their hearts. It's written on tablets. It's written on scrolls. It's written in their Bibles. And they have it in their heads, but they don't have it in their hearts. And these Jews, these religious people, they're the ones who are going to be under judgment. And when they submit to the requirements of the law, they're not going to fulfill them. They're going to say, you know the law, but you don't obey it. All right. What does this mean? This means that you're not saved by your knowledge. And the knowledge of the law doesn't actually help you. That it can actually deceive you into thinking that, that you have some kind of maturity. When in reality, you just know the rules, but you can't obey them. And we think that by increasing our knowledge of the law, we're somehow going to be more obedient. Now, that's a false strategy. Because what's actually happening here? What's actually happening here is the law is outside of themselves and they're trying to put it inside. They are constantly at war with their hearts. And so, yeah, they're trying, they're trying to consume a bunch of scripture. Oh, like, like, law, law, law. But their heart is just saying, yeah, but I don't want to do that. You can, you can read it as much as you want. And they, they try to build habits. Like, oh, I'll, I'll kind of shape my world so that I'm more prone to being obedient. But their heart is saying, uh, I don't want to do that. And they're constantly at war with themselves. And they are exhausted. And their obedience is often hypocritical. It's superficial. It's artificial. And when, when non-believers encounter these people, they, they look and they see and they say, but you're just, you're just denying who you are. You're being the opposite of what you want to be. You're at war with yourself. And they see that and they, they back away because that sounds miserable. It looks miserable. It is miserable. And that's how we often live the Christian life. Is we're trying to, to take this rules from outside and trying to stick it into our hearts and our hearts don't want it. And that's why we're so exhausted and that's why we, we are burdened by our obedience. And that's where there, there is... Which, which, which method are you using? Inside out or outside in? How do you try to obey? What strategy are you using? And we could say, well, well one, maybe one is harder... And, and not as natural, but, but it's okay. I've, I've used that one for a long time. And the other one, oh, the other one sounds, sounds neat and sounds nice, but like, I'm not sure if that's for me. It sounds kind of innovative or hard to, hard to do. Unfortunately, we don't actually get to choose. Only one of these works. Look at verse 25. For circumcision indeed is a value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. Basically saying, trying to conform outwardly, yeah, you can try. But if it doesn't turn into inward, hard expression obedience, it doesn't matter. That the outward doesn't actually, it doesn't mean anything. Verse 26. 
If you are a man who is uncircumcised and you're keeping the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Basically, so if the outside doesn't look good, but your heart is right, if in your heart you are fulfilling the law, who cares? That's what matters. Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart. That if you're choosing obedience and if you're seeking to glorify God, it has to happen in the heart first. That if it is only outward, you're not a real member of the community of God. You're not really obeying. All right, so there's two, two strategies here. And it's not just two, two options. It's one works and one is false. And one is going to ruin your life and make your whole life a burden on the one hand and unsuccessful and you're not going to survive the judgment. And the other one is going to be free-flowing joy and you're, you're going to be successful in it. All right, how do we get there? How do we get to inside-out obedience? Um, I'm going to start by saying that's what kind of the rest of the book of Romans is about. <laughs> not, not as like, oh, I'm not going to give you anything. But like, this is like, this is the Christian life. So I'm not going to like summarize it in three and like five points and go do it and you're, you're going to be successful. This is, you know, like we're going we're gonna to flesh this out over the long haul. That's the goal. That's why it's called unshackled. It's, the whole thing is this. But I'll give you some initial steps. First of all, a Jew is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. All right, so I'm going to do five, five things. First, stop settling for outward obedience and for outward in obedience. Admit that that is a false strategy and please stop using it. To the extent that you're using it, to the extent that you're, you're being a hypocrite and you're not helping yourself, you're not helping anyone. All right, it's a dead strategy. So we're going to stop. Secondly, you are powerless. Admit that to yourself. Your heart is dead. And if you're trying to do outward in, it doesn't work. You're just killing yourself further. You cannot change yourself. This is done by the Spirit. By the Spirit of God. It's impossible to do on your own. And that's, that's why there's different dimensions to the gospel. Part of the gospel is Jesus promises to give you the Spirit. Now we miss that. And we're not charismatic, so we often underplay it. Um, but he gives us the Spirit. And so you, you look to Christ to free you from your sin, to vicariously die for you. By the Spirit, Jesus Christ is also bringing you to life and freeing you from sin. He is changing you from the inside out. 
Now, we, we talk about accepting Jesus Christ into your heart, that he will live with you in your heart. All right, it's, really, it's the Spirit who comes into your heart. That's how Jesus lives in your heart. He lives by the Spirit. And so what is the Spirit? The Spirit comes into your heart, and that's where he lives. He lives in your heart, and he starts renovating. He starts redecorating. And the Holy Spirit is like the cheesy Christian decorator who like, likes putting up cross stitches of like Romans 8 and who, who like puts the Bible verses above your kitchen table. That's how, that's how he works. And he starts writing the law on your heart. And he starts changing you. And you start to find that, oh, when you, when you speak, you're speaking according to the law, amazingly. That you want to obey. That when you try to do the same things you used to do, you feel accused and you, you, you're not enjoying it. You're actually feeling guilty and shamed. That's the Holy Spirit changing your heart. Now you need to receive Christ. He's the only, Jesus is the only way you can get, get a Holy Spirit. It's the only shop in town. And then ask for the Holy Spirit to work. Have you, ever, have you talked to the Holy Spirit? You're allowed to. You're allowed to. He's a person. He's, he's a member of the Trinity. Ask him to change your heart. Ask him to fix your heart. Ask him to write the law upon your heart. To give you desires you don't have. That, that is his job. We don't ask the Father to, to die on the cross for us. It, the Trinity, has, they all have different roles. And the Holy Spirit's role is to change your heart. Ask him to. All right. Uh, oh, man. There's a lot of steps. All right. Third. Third. <laughs> third. Learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, he will communicate. He will shape you through your conscience, through your thinking. Um, maybe that's never happened before, but maybe you're not listening. So if you ever felt like, oh, I, I, I should do this. I should... I should go talk to this person. And you say, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit leading, and you need to go do that. Um, or you feel like, ah, oh, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but like, oh, everyone else does it, so I'm going to do it too. No, that's the Holy Spirit communicating to you, trying to, to push you towards obedience. You need to listen. We need to learn to hear and become sensitive to his leading. It's, I can't help you more than that. It, it, you'll, it's, it's kind of personal. But start listening, and he will lead. All right, fourth. Fourth. Look at the, the last verse here, the last sentence. His praise is not from man, but from God. His praise is not from man, but from God. You can't do this if you're obsessed with people. And people pleasing. Because the people, they're all about the out outward. They're all about the external. And they're going to demand from you external obedience. And they're going to expect from you external, pharisaical, outside-in obedience. And you have, to, you have to reject that. Because if you're looking at your heart, you'll have to admit that like, uh, there's junk in my heart that shouldn't be there. 
And you're going to struggle with obedience because you're going to recognize, like, I don't, I don't want to obey. And I don't want to just do it superficially. Like, and you're going to struggle to obey in the same sense because you can't be fake. And you're not going to please people, but you're going to please God. God is seeing past all the junk anyway and seeing your heart. And so it's between you and God. Seek to please him. Shape your heart. Shape what you love. Focus on that. Don't worry about people. They'll force you to become fake. And finally, finally, last one, last one. There needs to be a movement from the law to grace. Remember what, what he's, Paul is saying about these Jewish people. He's saying, yeah, they, they take such pride in the law. And they love the law. And they study the law. And they have so much knowledge about the law. And they teach the law. It's not about the law. It's about the grace. That we should be people who love grace. And who want to learn more about grace. And how God could possibly have grace for us. And we should teach people about grace. That should be our obsession. That should be the thing that we're looking at when we aren't being obedient. We should go back and say, wait, what is this grace thing? And why does grace push me to be obedient? When we do that, it's not about our strategy to get into heaven or manipulating things so we look good. We've already been good with God. We are good with God. We are in heaven. We are done. And now we get to obey out of joy and out of freedom. And because we love God and we trust him and when we obey, we're, we're trying to do what is best for ourselves. Not some ulterior motive of getting into heaven or pleasing God or pleasing people. That changes how we react to the law when we see it as our source of joy and our sense of freedom. Now, this is a long haul kind of thing. Um, and it's an introduction. But this is the goal. This is the goal of the Christian life to have this kind of freedom. And so, this is what we're looking for in Romans, is how we can become these kind of believers with outside, that it flows from the inside. This kind of beautiful, passionate, natural obedience. So let's pray that he would teach us along the way. Let's pray. Father, as we see your plan and the ideal of the Christian life, um, we praise you. Father, we, we long to be obedient and to, to be obedient from a place of joy and freedom. And yet, Father, we, we are extremely humbled and mourn the fact that we are not like that. That we feel the burden of the law. We feel shackled by it. And Father, we, maybe we always have. And we've tasted glimpses of this, but Father, I confess that I often doubt that this kind of life is possible. And Father, I'm sure others doubt as well. Father, would we, would we seek 
this great gift of obedience that, that flows from us. Would you shape our hearts? Would you redeem us in Christ and change us in Christ and deliver us in Christ? And Holy Spirit, would you come and would you shape our hearts and change us from the inside out? Father, teach us how we might be obedient from the inside out. We long to worship you with not just our minds, but our hearts and our actions and, and all of ourselves. Change us and, and do what we cannot do ourselves. We pray in Christ's name.